The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Uh, tonight, I just got the rest of tuners for you. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all I've written so far. So uh, we're to the end of the book. You, you know, <laughs> there is a, a, a sequel planned, and, and I'm in the middle of writing, you know, that sequel. So uh, yeah, there there's more tuners for you. It just won't be for a while. But, you know, like I said, this is a sneak preview. I, I'm, I'm not planning on getting this book out anytime soon. Uh, it's, it, it's coming. I just want to write the other two in the, in the series before I, I put the first one out there. So y- you might see some changes from what you, you heard here on uh, RPA. So, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I had fun reading it. And, and, yeah, thank you for listening. So... Here it is, the, the last few uh, chapters of Tuners that I have right now. All right, thanks. Chapter 30. John and the rest of the crew donned the robes of the cultist priests. They left the three priests they had jumped, incapacitated, in the room they found with all the mutilation equipment. By the time they were finished changing, the crowd in the main ceremonial chamber began going their separate ways. The Tuners ventured out into the hallway. Their other cultists would part ways for them as they walked past through the mass exiting the big room. Most of the cultists leaving the room were warriors. The conversations of the various clan members would fall silent when the tuners dressed as priests would walk by. The cultists would bow their heads and part ways for them. John sunk further into his hood just so the warriors would not make eye contact with him. They got into the room with the fire pit and the stage as the last of the crowd was clearing out. Thankfully, the priests were long gone and the warriors weren't bothering them. 
They made their way across the room. There were cultists at a couple of the entrances. There were also priests that could have left in this area with a new recruit. They noticed a lone priest was still on the stage, packing up and cleaning after the ceremony. John pointed towards the stage and the others nodded. The man gathered the collars when the tuners climbed the steps towards him. His head was exposed and John noticed that there was only one star and he wasn't much older than John. By the time they got to the top of the stage, the rest of the room was clear. John nodded to Meat Hook, and before the priest even knew what was happening, the unfortunate soul was being dangled over the lava pit by Meat Hook. Patel stood watch as a lookout. John leaned over and said, Where'd they take the girl? Or should I say a tutor that you might have seen come across here? All the new recruits are, are taken to the pit of isolation and despair, the priest said. The what? Uh, they deprive you of food and uh, uh, natural light. It, it cleans your soul to accept the flame. Sounds like mind control to me. It, it, it's a glorious awakening. I did not see my true power of the flame until I shed my former life. Blah, blah, blah. What direction is it? The priest pointed to a tunnel leading from the room. John nodded to Meat Hook, and they clunked him aside the head. They stuffed the unconscious man inside the cart he was using to clean up the platform. Patel came over and said, You know, we can save him. He was probably coerced into servitude like the others. There's a clinic in Universe 37D that specializes in cult rehabilitation. Let's focus on finding our friends first before we start saving the world, John said, and they took off towards the direction where Magdalena was taken. After a while, they eventually caught up with a priest who was leading a quivering, shaking girl lower and lower into the depths of the earth. John stopped the priest and said, oh, We have orders to take her from here. Up close, John could see the scarred chin of the person inside the robe. The priest could see John's smooth face in the hood and was skeptical of the request. Initiates are not allowed to break the will of other initiates. Or do you need another soul cleansing uh we are going to take her to the um or the other place with the john said his hand snaked towards his weapon the unclean the priest scoffed they are barely worth of the filth we feed them i will punish your insolence if you continue this john opened his robe and revealed his crossbow underneath he pressed the button on the weapon and the bolt ejected into the priest's stomach. Patel and Meathook crowded around John, so anyone who'd happen to walk by wouldn't see the weapon. Take me to the unclean, John said. The high priest will flay me, the cultist protested. I could finish the job and kill you, John said. How will you serve the flame then? John pressed the crossbow harder. The man didn't say another word. He led the way. They took a fork in the tunnel and made their way back up. They wove through the corridors of the castle. The various warriors and guards they passed stood at high alert. It was to John's advantage that none of them would make eye contact with any of the priests. When the group of priests were walking in another direction, John pressed his weapon harder into the man's back to remind him all he needed to do was pull the trigger. The castle seemed to go on forever. It was much bigger than they had initially realized. There were many courtyards and levels. It was like a city 
that had been made of stone. The only vegetation that they saw was a grim and black, twisted tree bark and leaves that were brownish-red. After what seemed like an endless trek through the corridors, they came across a large wooden door where two guards stood on either side. They looked at an incoming group of priests and a confused expression crossed over their face. Step aside. The priest barked and opened up the door. Inside, the scene made Patel gasp. John felt sick. There were hundreds of teenagers. They were all strapped to tables. Large metal spikes protruded from their ears. They were connected to cables that led to a machine in the center of the room. It looked familiar, like the equipment in the command center at Tuner's HQ. The victims squirmed as if they were in constant pain. Their eyes fluttered and they mumbled and groaned. A black liquid pumped into each victim from at least a dozen long tombs per person that hung from the ceiling and was stuck in their arms, legs, and back. Uh, what are you doing to them? The priest scowled. When their bones are too weak to serve the priesthood, they can still spread the holy word of the flame. What do you mean by that? John said. I th think what he means is that any tuners who cannot function in the gravity of this world are used to power this machine, Patel said. But I thought they threw anyone who couldn't pass the test in the lava, Meok said. Priest laughed. Do you think the high priest would risk anyone who could hear the song of the flame? The unclean may be filth, but the song still sings to them, so they serve their purpose. And what purpose would that be, John said. While he inspected the machine, he noticed one of the girls attached looked familiar. She resembled Abby, but it wasn't her. It dawned on him. She was Abby's sister. He remembered her from the photo on Abby's phone. He reached out to pull the spikes from her ears. I would not do that, the priest said. Death will take her. John grabbed one of the tubes of the black goop. Well, at least we could stop filling her with this crap. I would not do that, the priest said, or you will cleanse her with fire. The moaning and whining got more intense. John let go, but the commotion continued. All the victims struggled and cried out against their bonds. The machine at the center ramped up. There was almost a loud hum that got increasingly louder as the people struggled. What's happening? The warriors are on the move, the priest said and smiled. This is why you cannot stop us. We have armies to spread the word. <laughs> Dude, bro, you're really starting to annoy me, Meat Hook said and thwacked the cultists with his hammer. The man went out cold. Patel said, This must be how the cultists are able to punch through universes and tune without a porous spot. This machine must amplify the tuning ability. It's no wonder they were able to push through so many people at the same time. I thought a tuner could only bring out like three people or something at the maximum during a tune. You see, <laughs> I didn't sleep. You know, through your classes. At least, not all of them, John said, and Meehook laughed. They are networked, Patel said. Like a bunch of computers, John said. Does that even work? Presumably, Patel said. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. Universe 1 was advanced. More advanced than any universe we've ever encountered. Imagine you leave your phone with a solar charger station or something like that, and, and you leave it in a prehistoric time with people barely out of the stone age they might be able to figure out how to play music from it even how to charge it but will they ever be able to fix it could they even invent new technology from it okay john said so it's a big tuning amp where's abby 
you know, I don't really see her in this machine here. Uh, you figure they would have put her to this device by now. Magdalena spoke up. Uh, I overheard two of them talking while we were waiting for the ritual. They're trying to boost the power of something else. An another machine. They found someone special. I, I don't know. I just want to go home. Uh, can you take me home? We'll try, John said softly. Do you know where this other machine might be? I, I think so. When we were testing our ability to, you know, hear that noise or whatever, we were in this room with all sorts of equipment. I, I saw this chair attached to a machine, like, like, you know, like all this stuff in this room. If that's where they test the newcomers, it's a good chance that Ludi will be there too, John said. He leaned down to Magdalena and said, Hey, I, I know you want to go back to your home, but I need you to be strong for me just for a little while longer. We have friends of ours trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to bring her home. Do you think you can take us to that other machine? Magdalena said, I can try. Don't worry, little sis. Meat Hook brandished his weapon. I'll keep you safe. No one will get between me and my hammer of cultist pounding. They all filed from the room after giving Magdalena the priest robes. John wanted to save the others, but there was nothing they could do at the moment. They need Ludi back so he could figure out how to disconnect them safely. Maybe if they had time, he would swing back with the boy genius and see what that kid thought. If he couldn't do it now, maybe John could do a silent vow, and he did to himself that he would be back here and he would save Abby's sister and anyone else who didn't belong to this place. Chapter 31 They wove their way through the castle once more. Magdalena took a few wrong turns and they had to backtrack on more than one occasion. Since they were decked out with priest robes, most of the warriors left them alone. Magdalena's robes were of a higher rank, so even the priestess they encountered didn't question them. John attempted to sink his face back further into the robe as he possibly could, and the others did the same. Around the time that John was about to question if Magdalena really knew where she was going, she pointed to the doorway with two guards. John was beginning to pick up on the culture of the cultist and walk towards the guards with a purpose. Step aside, or I'll flay you, John barked, and the two guards lowered their fierce-looking halibreds. John nudged Magdalena, and she picked up on the ruse. You will obey me, my acolyte, or I will bring fire and brimstone on your head. Mistress of the flame, the first guard said. I have orders from the high priestess of the silence himself. No one is to enter this room. You dare defy me, Magdalene roared, and John was surprised how good she was at this. For a meek girl, they had saved, she seemed to be getting some confidence back. The high priestess of the flame of the silence has given me orders. By defying me, you defy him. I beg your pardon, mistress, uh, the guard gulped, but you could show us the scar of the will of the flame. Magdalena glanced at John, and he shrugged. Screw this, John said and whipped out his sword. Meathook backed his play with a swing of his warhammer. Before the guards knew what hit them, they were out cold. No sooner did the guards hit the floor as they noticed a boy standing in the hallway. He looked mangy, malnourished, and overworked. He was wearing rags and had a gravity collar around his neck. He dropped his giant sack of linens he was carrying. Hey, buddy, John said. Uh, don't worry, we're here to rescue you. We... The kid took off running. John went after him. Magdalena grabbed his arm. Uh, don't. They're sorting us for the ritual. They... They take the particularly weak and, and scared for the unclean servitude. 
whatever that is, it, it breaks their will. And in, in, in the days we were waiting, we tried to convince the ones that would come to our, you know, give us our gruel or clean our chamber pots, but they were too scared to even look at us. I suggest we give our team members back. We can regroup later. We cannot save everybody, John. John nodded and tried the door of the room. It was locked. He turned to meet Hook and held up his hand. If the kid hadn't sounded the alarm, the clang from the hammer would alert them. As a precaution, John inserted his earbuds and listened for HQ. The nearest tuning point was close, maybe even the room itself. He noted the direction. He nodded. Meat Hook made short work of the door. They stepped inside the room and were horrified by what they saw. There was a chair in the center of the room. Thick tubes of the same black liquid descended on the boy shackled to it. Two of the priests were stabbing the tubes into his body while he cried out in pain. The high priest watched with mad glee in his eyes. Make sure you get every nerve ending, the priest ordered. We need to harness all his pain, all his power. There were at least fifty tubes in the kid. Blades at the end looked as if they were long enough to go all the way to the bone. They were jammed to his arms, legs, hands, and feet. At least ten of them protruded from his spine. Two large vats of the ooh pumped into him. They saved two exceptionally large cables with thick black blades at the end for last. The cultists shoved the cables into his ears. Blood dripped from every wound, and he moaned in agony. John noticed there were a couple of other being held by the priest. Abby was one of them. A Abby! John yelled. The high priest ordered the priest to attack. There was at least a dozen in the room. He turned to the other priest, who poked holes in the kid. Don't just stand there. Finish prepping the machine. The priest formed a battle line and threw off the robes. They were muscled bruisers with scars across their body. They were the fiercest cultists he had ever seen. They drew two curved and gnarled blades. The tuners threw off their cloaks and readied their weapons. Patel tossed Magdalena one of her swords. Do you know how to fight? <laughs> I'm better at stage combat than real combat, she said. Uh, I did a little theater in school. It's like a fake slap, except you really slap, Miyok said. Just swing at anything it gets by me, John said, and stood in front of her. The cultists charged, and the high priest threw the switch and the machine. Everything seemed to happen in a blink of an eye. Four of the priests were on each tuner. John parried the blows of two. His armor saved him from another, and the fourth got past all his defenses and nicked his arm. The blade tore off a chunk of John's flesh, even though it was just a scratch. It hurt like nothing he had ever felt. Miuk slammed his hammer into the floor and sent a shockwave that knocked the attackers to the ground. They were kicked to jump back up. Miuk had one time to knock them across the room, and the other three landed blows. Blood spurted from his arm and thigh. The other must have been stopped by the armor. Patel wasn't so lucky. She parried all of the attacks but one. Even her unnatural toughness was not a match for the cultist. She was cut across the stomach and there was blood though not as much as there would have been had John received the same wound. The high priest threw a lever and the machine worked to life. It shook and the boy cried out in terror. There was a loud hum that increased in intensity. The goop pumped through the cables into the boy and it oozed from his wounds. The boy arched his back and screamed. The buzz increased and the boy went into a seizure. Meanwhile, the tuners were locked in combat. John managed to gut one of his assailants while Magdalena landed a killing blow when John had backed another priest into her blade. Meat Hook 
knocked one of his opponents into the table with various headphones, no doubt used to test for the tuning ability. Patel took more Nixon cuts, but filled one of hers. The machine hummed and shook with a ferocity. The kid screamed out in pain with every orifice and wound on his body gushed with a mixture of goop and blood. It was too much. The kid's ears exploded. He fell limp. I priest turned to his minion and said, Did it work? Uh, yes, your holiness, the lesser priest said. The breach was successful. Universe 30T is collapsing on itself. Good. Get another. The priests unceremoniously dumped the body of the boy to the ground. They grabbed Abby out of the group. She kicked and yelled. They punched a few times on her collar, and her struggles died out as the gravity dragged her down. They tossed her to the chair, and she was barely able to get out. John, help. John fought his way towards Abby. After some dodges, thrusts, and parries, he stabbed one through the skull base of the chin and the top of his skull. The other had stuck in his back and was about to run him through when a cultist came flying through the air and sent both priests tumbling to the ground. Miyuk said, Go get Abby, bro. More priests burst into the room and charged in the fray. Patel, Meat Hook, and Magdalena formed a triangle with Magdalena on the far end. John felt the battle behind and charged towards Abby. The high priest stepped in between John and the two priests that were poking holes into her body. The high priest dropped his robe and his skin was more mangled flesh than man. He ejected a blade from one hand and pulled a sword from the other. He grinned a toothless smile and the blades ignited on fire. You will be cleansed by the holy fire, boy. The high priest whirled his blades as he approached John. You could use a bath yourself, John said and fired his crossbow at one of the goop tanks above the high priest. The liquid gushed out and made contact with the flaming blades. It ignited and the priest burst into flames. John could smell the flesh searing as man ran screaming from the room in a streak of fire. The remaining priest saw their leader's blaze of glory, lost heart, and ran. John ran to Abby and pulled spikes out of her. She was lucky there were only a few. They embraced and John wanted the moment to last forever, but there was much to do. Your sister, John said. She's here. She's... Here, Abby said. Yeah, they have her hooked to a machine like this one. We need to save her, Abby said, but could barely move. After a moment or two of fidgeting with the controls of the collar, he figured out how to dial it up so she can move normally. We need to find Ludi first, John said. She's wired here. I, I don't think we can get to her without someone who can figure out how to shut the machine down or remove the spikes without killing her. Meat Hook yelled from the doorway. It's over, bro. We have cultists coming. John peeked out. There were too many cultists to count. Warriors from all different clans charged through each side of the hallway. There was no end to a flood of the snarling army that was about to burst into the room. John backed away from the door and said, Barricade the door. Hurry. <laughs> With what? Miyok said. <laughs> With anything, John said, and grabbed the nearest table. Patel, Abby, and the others began to move tables, bodies, and just about anything they could find. Miyuk shook his head. Oh, this won't be enough. He turned to the machine at the center of the room. He dialed his armor to the maximum setting. He walked over to it and squatted beside it. With a loud grunt, Miyuk tore the machine from its base. The electronics crackled and the bolts popped off. The servos on his armor groaned and some even shattered. He strained to walk a few steps. 
The other saw what he was doing and scattered. With a deep roar, he tossed the machine towards the door. The cultist just had broken through. It crushed the first few cultists to enter and then got jammed in the entryway. A few unlucky got their arms and legs stuck. The cultist on the other side yelled and strained, but the machine wouldn't budge. Meatwick sat down, his armor sparking, and some of it had shattered. He threw a gauntlet down and said, Man, the gravity is intense in this universe. Now I know what it's like to be you. John patted him on the back and said, We're not out of the woods yet. The machine began to budge slightly. John scanned the room. They were out of options. There were no other exits. We're going to have to come back for Ludie and your sister. John put on his headphones. He really needed to find some better music. A victory song would have been pretty cool right now. He walked in the direction of where he thought the spot would be. As luck would have it, there was a tuning point where the machine used to be. He figured something designed for punching holes through the universes in reality is bound to leave a mark. They all gathered in location for HQ, Patel, Meat Hook, and every one of the kids who were in line behind Abby. John took Abby in one hand, Magdalena in the other. With a flick of his wrist, they faded out of the cultist's homeworld. Just as the doorway burst open. Alright, that was Tuners, the final chapter. Except not really, because, you know, uh, I'm writing uh, another book. Yeah, I'm writing book two. So, yeah, they, they saved Abby, sure, but, but there's more going on. There, This is not the end of Tuners. This is only the beginning. In fact, the, what I read to you on this podcast is probably going to change because, you know, I'm a writer. I was reading this. I, While I was reading this, I'm like, oh, I guess I should tweak that and modify this, change that, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there's a lot of rewrites that I have to do of book one. And then, of course, uh, you know, I have to write book two, which I, I'm a few chapters into it. So, yeah, it's coming along. But, you know, what? what I'm saying is that there's more tuners. This is not the end of tuners. This is merely the end of the rough draft of book one. So, uh, yeah, there's there's more to come, and I will happily bring that to you. Uh, but I wanted to end uh, season one of Aaron's Horror Show with uh, tuners. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is the end of season one. Last episode of season one, 38 episodes. Woohoo! thank you for joining me on this journey, and I will happily see you next week in season two. All right, have a good night.